1: Well, Jake, I think it's really important to answer your question. To start with the fact that we gave 19 messages starting in March to Americans to leave the country. We offered them financial assistance to leave the country. And then for more than two weeks, we gave them specific instructions for how to come. 97% of the people we communicated with got to the airport and got out on planes. There's a variety of reasons for why those remaining folks didn't. Some changed their mind at the last minute. Some wanted to bring very large extended family who uh, were not Americans who couldn't get through check points. Some uh, may have shown up at the airport, although I have to tell you I'm not familiar, and General McKenzie spoke yesterday and said he was not familiar with anyone being turned away at the gate at the last minute. So I had not heard that particular report. But the fact is that we went out of our way for two full weeks to create the circumstances for any American who wanted to get to the airport and get on a plane to do so. And the question the President ultimately faced was, how long do I keep U.S. Marines in harm's way with threats? escalating hour by hour
0: until all the americans are out and there were no threats while we had the troops in afghanistan that's jake sullivan your national security advisor just another one of the guys who needs to get fired have their entire uh, credentials taken away no ability to get access to classified information and let them go work at dairy queen not to insult the fine people at dairy queen Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, at Tony Katz. This absolute radical desperation to change the narrative cannot work. And it's going to be up to us to not allow that. People were all the way back into March, as Joe Biden said. Back in March, we were telling people they had to they had to get out back in March. We were we were warning people. We were giving the warnings everywhere.
1: Since March, we reached out 19 times to Americans in Afghanistan with multiple warnings and offers to help them leave Afghanistan all the way back as far as March. After we started the evacuation 17 days ago, we did initial outreach and analysis and identified around 5,000 Americans.
0: Ah, stop it. He's blaming the Americans who are left behind. And we should be clear, they have been left behind as hostages. Now, when they want to talk about this being the largest airlift and this, that, and what have you, let's be at least honest with each other about a couple of things people were taken out of Afghanistan. A lot of people were taken out of Afghanistan. You can look at that and say, yeah, they got a lot of people out of Afghanistan. But it isn't the story. It's absolutely, positively not the story. The story here is how this all transpired. You want to talk about getting people out? That's fine. But that's not the story. The story is how this withdrawal was done. Not that we withdrew. Which is, of course, the conversation that Joe Biden is desperate to have because all he cares about is legacy. I'm the president who ended the war in Afghanistan. The country was okay with this. They were okay with it when President Trump said he wanted to do it. But maybe he felt he couldn't. Maybe he felt it had to go a different way. Maybe creating a deal with the Taliban there. Oh, you see, Trump created a deal with the Taliban. What do you think was going to happen? So Joe Biden wasn't strong enough to say, I'm not going to go forward with this deal. Obama created a deal with the Paris Climate Accord. That nonsense garbage. And Trump said, we're done with that. JCPOA, joint comprehensive plan of action, allowing Iran these opportunities. We're done with that. What's the matter? Joe Biden doesn't know how to be tough. Here, tell Joe Biden the deadline's name is Corn Pop, and then you watch him get super tough. The issue is not the withdrawal from Afghanistan. The issue is how. This is on Fox Business just the other day.
2: To know who he is, he's right. scared. He goes by the name Mohammed. That's not his real name. He helped Biden and others when their helicopter was forced to land in a snowstorm, as you can see. This is back in 2008. And Joe Biden then used that experience to campaign with President Obama.
1: if you want to know where al-Qaeda lives, you want to know where bin Laden is, come back to Afghanistan with me. Come back to the area where my helicopter was forced down with a three-star general and three United States senators at 10,500 feet in the middle of those mountains. I can tell you where they are.
2: And Mohammed says, yeah, well, come find me now. Don't forget me now. He is scared. He wants to get
0: hit. That's what Joe Biden did that's what joe biden has done that's what this withdrawal is so when jake sullivan wants to brag about it what are you bragging about what are you close to bragging about don't you know we see you and the answer is no oh no 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 they go the other way they go far the other way and they believe they can set the narrative and make you forget those Americans and those Afghanis left behind and I think it's incumbent upon us not to to do that it's incumbent upon us to remember and then there's this story this story from the Daily Mail now I I must tell you uh, I believe this story originally comes from Reuters so I have no reason not to believe the story, but I am willing to place a wager on the fact that this might morph and change in terms of getting more data, more facts about this phone call in the days ahead. So put, a, put an asterisk on it. If, if, if the asterisk needs to be removed, I'll do that. I will absolutely do that. The story is in the last phone call between President Biden And Ashraf Ghani, who was the president of Afghanistan until he left. And he did leave. We we shouldn't be, uh, you know, lying about that. He He walked in. All right, we're done here. Supposedly in the last phone call that took place on July 23rd, so this was a couple weeks before Kabul fell, Biden said to Ghani that they needed to change perceptions of the Taliban's rapid advance whether it is true or not, this according to the excerpts that have been published. But Joe Biden told us that they've got 300,000 Afghan national security forces. There's no way it's going to fall. It's not a fait accompli that Afghanistan's going to fall. That of course these people uh, can handle it he actually said in his speech yesterday i still instructed our national security team to prepare for every eventuality even that one meaning the afghan military falling to the taliban and he said and i'm quoting here and that's what we did go take a look at any news report anywhere you think the uh, the biden administration prepared for any eventuality you think the national security team had that under control clearly not clearly not the quote is in the transcript obtained from reuters i need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of afghanistan i believe is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the taliban and there is a need whether it is true or not there is a need to project a different picture now what i want you to do is go immediately to the following donald trump playing down covid because he didn't want to scare people Biden pulled a Trump. That's how it has to be said. Because I don't think Trump should have played it down. I think Trump should have been direct, forthright, clear, and tell people not to be afraid, but to be smart. Here's how we're going to handle it, America. That's how it should have been done. 150%, in my view. But I don't blame Trump for the virus. I blame the Wuhan uh, Virology Lab, and I blame the Communist Chinese for the virus. I support Trump and the, and the and his plan then to shut down travel from China, which was the right plan, even though others said no. Now, I didn't favor two weeks to flatten the curve, but certainly you've got America to buy into. Okay, for two weeks, we could do anything, and if this is what's going to do it, we're in. And then two weeks came and went, and then it was four weeks, and then it was eight weeks, and then it's the rest of our lives, and that's what Americans are saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's no other word for it. I didn't have the word in Latin to be able to share that one. That's how to do this. There is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. You mean lie. You knew what was going to happen. You, so desperate to get out of Afghanistan to end the war... That you wanted to work to concoct a visual a narrative that would help you because you already screwed the pooch How do you defend that How do you defend that? As is reported by is that John Solomon over there just the news Text messages between US military commanders and private citizens where Americans were pleading because they were left behind at the Kabul airport gate. They know that they're going to get hurt by the Taliban. They may very well be killed by the Taliban, never mind all those Afghanis who were working with us. One army colonel assigned to the 82nd Airborne, writing in frustration, saying, quote, we are blanking abandoning American citizens. One saying, we had them out there waving their passports, screaming, I'm American. And we left those people behind. These are the stories that will haunt Joe Biden, and they damn well should. Do we have a media that will continue on this conversation? I'm going to talk to Curtis Houck of Newsbusters, because there's a whole story about news coverage of crime going on in politically left cities and are are, are the major networks covering it. Uh, Spoiler alert, not so much. We'll get into this as well. We left people to die. And Biden wants to celebrate, celebrate He wants to celebrate what he did, and he knows, and as the reporting goes, they were working on trying to lie to us, and it all fell apart. Here's the biggest problem that Biden has. All of the spin they want to do, him and his Bengali, Ron Klain, and the rest, they can't stop the fact that we saw it. We watched it happen. It doesn't matter what China says about the history of the United States and racism. We saw China destroy Hong Kongers and we saw them imprison Uyghur Muslims. That's the Communist Chinese Party. We saw them lie about COVID. Why in the hell haven't we taken the money away? Why in the world are we still paying them any debt? We don't owe them nothing between their lying and what they've stolen in terms of intellectual property and trademark we don't owe them anything they owe us we should start sending them a bill this is biden's problem he can't he can't he can't shy away from it china has been seen by the world and china and the world knows china's dangerous the question is will african nations be able to resist the money pouring in or those south american nations where china is making massive investments certainly the taliban won't mind but joe biden can't shake the fact that we see him we see it all he did this he lied to us And continues to lie, saying that this effort was an extraordinary success. Tell that to the people waving their passports at the Kabul gate for no more planes to show up. I'm Tony Katz. Oh, Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, you haven't heard the story yet, producer Ari. You may want to, you may just want to hush on down. Anytime you mention Wisconsin, you'll get producer Ari saying, Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what he says. That's what he says. He's a Wisconsin kid. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. The University of Wisconsin Madison, which is basically just Berkeley East, they hosted a welcome back barbecue. They're bringing back students. Welcome everybody. Welcome to the barbecue. It's at 125 Witt Hall, the Center for Cultural Enrichment. And all are welcome. Free food, vegetarian, vegan, and gluten-free options will be provided intended for self-identified people of color. It's not a It's not a welcome barbecue no 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 is it there was also a latinx new student welcome don't we know there's no such thing as latinx that's not real there is no such thing as latinx why do we keep doing this there's latino there's latina there's no latinx it's not a real thing now, do I oppose the idea of a group that maybe has this kind of 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 membership having an event for that kind of membership? Let's let's take it to a to a personal uh, level. Could the Hillel, right, uh, which is for Jewish students, uh, gather, pray, uh, meet, etc. Could they have an event that's just for Jewish students? i got to tell you, in all the time I've seen posters from Hillel, and I, you can show me one, I'm willing to look. I've never seen them say non-Jews not welcome. I've actually never seen that. As a matter of fact, it would seem to me that a Hillel, or sometimes pronounced Hillel, right? I, just, I do it with a little more emphasis. They would be more than thrilled to see other people join in and learn. Like, like they'd, be, they'd be excited about it. They'd say this is great. The barbecue, though, at University of Wisconsin-Madison is hosted by the Center for Cultural Enrichment, which the, when they, their mission includes, quote, embracing all races, ethnicities, sexual orientations, gender expressions, religions, classes, abilities, or any other aspects of identity we hold. So how can they be having this event? maybe it's it's that it's happening there, but it's not organized by them, whatever the case may be. The question before us is, does any of this bring students value or does it divide them? I would argue that it divides them, that it hurts them. that what they get out of this is, is is nothingness. What they get is more division, far more division. When you want an event only for these kinds of people, because you're proactively being exclusionary. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have an uh, uh, an event like that. I'm asking, does it provide a value on a college campus to keep throwing this in kids' faces that you don't belong here and you don't belong here and you don't belong here and there's no place for you and all of this is meant to tell certain groups and certain people of certain beliefs or a certain immutable characteristic that they were born with that there's something wrong with them. This is the part that parents are paying attention to and more and more kids should be paying attention to it's divisive it's a welcome barbecue have it if a black fraternity had a welcome barbecue for members of the black fraternity I would get it but I don't think they would stop necessarily somebody who was a friend wouldn't make sense to me what is the media covering and not Curtis Hauck of Newsbusters up next I'm not ignoring or avoiding the conversation that is Afghanistan, not at all, not in any way, but it is extremely important to know that there are other things going on, a tremendous amount going on. For example, as we have seen in cities across the country, crime is rising the violence is rising the attacks are rising and it's not just those cities that we talk about seattle and portland and minneapolis where we have mayors and governors who are totally fine with it absolutely positively fine with it tony katz tony katz today it's good to be with you facebook tony katz radio parlor instagram twitter Uh, Tony Katz, let me bring in Curtis Hauck right now, managing editor, over there at Newsbusters, newsbusters newsbusters.org. And you spend a lot of time taking a look at what's going on with uh, cable nets, with uh, broadcast news networks, how they're covering things, where these levels of bias exist and when you take a look as you guys have at crime across the country the news networks don't seem to spend much time discussing those issues
2: yeah great to be with you tony i'm glad you set it up the way that you did and that we're not ignoring the major issues covid in afghanistan but i believe that the news media just like the biden administration Uh, should be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. In fact, I think that should be the case for all of us. So with that in mind, we took a look at, yeah, the crime wave, because before the collapse of Afghanistan, I think it's safe to say that that was, if not story one of the summer, then story two. And so we found that we looked at crime in 15 Democrat-run cities, and we found that between June 1st and August 31st, there's only been about 58 minutes of coverage on crime, 58 minutes and 15 seconds specifically. And most notably, we found Portland, perhaps one of the best or slash worst examples, got less than 90 seconds, 81 seconds. Minneapolis, it was another city you mentioned in your open, only seven seconds. Uh, so there's just two examples. And I'll give you one more to start. Seattle, twenty five seconds. Yes, the summer of love, the anniversary of that in in Chaz, twenty five seconds. It,
0: it's pretty stunning. So the the question before us is: These are stories that are happening now. When we mm-hmm. discuss the the lack of coverage, do we know if they're happening at least on the local level? Is local media covering these stories?
2: Well, I can't speak to that, but I we live in, you know, we're in the Washington, D.C. media market, and we know for, we've seen, all of us, that the local news networks have been covering it. And I think that touches on a really important point that, while a lot of these journalists, especially in big markets, are going to be liberal journalists. That's why I think if you polled local news to the American people, the trust levels would be a little bit higher for them because they're closer to the people. They don't make as much money as the as, uh, the people in the larger markets are on the national level. So, yeah, they're really interested in the story. And they're doing real journalism because, again, they're not really in it for the money.
0: When we talk about the, these national outfits not sharing these stories, if they're only spending ninety seconds, twenty five seconds, all, all 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 the rest forty four seconds, what are they covering? What moves them instead to make us say that there clearly is a bias here because they didn't give these the stories of violence and 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 crime waves, uh, well, what we could consider a proper due? Because that's what you're saying. It, they're not giving it its proper due. What are they covering? Well,
2: we looked at it last night. Uh one of the examples that one of my colleagues pulled up is this really ho- just crazy example on NBC Nightly News of I believe that talking about why conservatives are interested in school boards has to do with the fact that there was some use of the N-word uh it, it you know in South Lake, Texas of uh, students using that word and then that kind of was a jumping off point for saying conservatives won big in school board elections. Um, There's kind of some nonsense going on there. Uh, Britney Spears obviously is a big example uh, of stories they're covering. They usually, or like last night, ABC world news tonight looked at Cam Newton being cut from the new England Patriots. A cougar got loose in a New York apartment building. Those are the kind of stories that they cover at the back end of the show because they spend so much time looking at COVID at the beginning of the show. And then whatever Biden was doing, Afghanistan aside, things like infrastructure or getting rid of the filibuster, that it really, and then when you cover wildfires, uh, hurricanes, Texas Democrats, you get to the point when there's not that much time left in a newscast. It very quickly fills up the, those twenty-one minutes.
0: Talking to Christ, Christ, Christian Curtis Hauk. Sorry, my friend, uh, managing editor at NewsBusters. There with the MRC. Now let's get into uh, how this plays out and how we see this time. And again, because the argument really isn't about. OK, on this certain date or in this certain week, they only spent this much time covering what is a major story. It's that they do it week after week and month after month. And that's how narrative gets set.
2: Right. And I think that's exactly true with with both crime, you know, and what well, we're talking about now in Afghanistan, because if you cover a story a certain way or you say certain things about a story, if you do choose to cover it. If you say something over and over again, it's going to settle in people's minds. We saw this with Andrew Cuomo. People loved Andrew Cuomo. They thought he was the greatest thing in the world until he wasn't. Oh crap, well then who who was telling people that he was awesome and amazing? Oh right, that was the news media. Same goes with this, these crime stories. These local mayors are doing you know work here and there and talk about voting rights and all these sorts of things. Uh, who's going to win the New York City you know, Democratic primary for mayor. When we're not really looking at crime, what's going on here? New York City, of course, got some of the most uh, time, uh, about just under 11 minutes. But still, considering some of the crime that's been going on there, you would think it would get a lot more than that. Um, but if you tell people things over and over again, or you explicitly hide things, they're going to come away with the realization that you know, it's not really that important. Or when you're presented with these facts, they're going to be outraged. uh, And they're gonna realize, hey, maybe the media are missing something here if you don't think that already. And that's really what we're trying to do here, which is provide the people with these facts. Uh, These numbers, these minutes and seconds, we're not coming up with these. These numbers are double-checked and triple-checked. So I think that's what's really important for listeners to understand here, that A, we're not making these numbers up, and two, it's another example of narratives here, They told voters in 2012 that Mitt Romney was this murderous, crazy person, although he kind of ended up being a moderate. That's a separate conversation. But they told him that he was uh, this murderous person. And so people didn't vote for him. Hence why we got Donald Trump in 2016. He was he was someone who was tired of that and just said, screw you to the media.
0: Now let's apply this in in a different place, because while we clearly, and and you guys have been doing this for years, and and, and, and we can discuss where media doesn't get it, and often I'm told, Tony, you're a radio host, you're part of the media, I don't think that's what we mean when we talk about mainstream media. I just don't think that's what we're talking about. But if you want to throw me into categories, I guess other people can. We're watching the CNNs of the world, the MSNBCs of the world, and the people like the, the Chuck Todd's of the world over there at NBC be very, very forceful in some cases regarding what's been going on in Afghanistan. Your latest uh, piece uh, there at newsbusters.org is that Saki runs into buzzsaw of journalists after Biden ducks Afghan questions when it comes to this withdrawal, uh, how it was done. There have been a lot of people engaged in tough reporting. Some of them have already eased off of it, but there's been—I shouldn't say tough reporting—actual solid reporting. You've been covering uh, this. Has that been shock to you, or has, uh, or is this not just a one-time thing? They're actually interested in carrying on this conversation. Yeah, let's. I'll
2: peel back the curtain real quick. My colleague Nick Fondacaro, who works uh, our night shift, covers the ABC, CBS, and NBCs. Uh, their evening newscasts. We were talking about this yesterday, I believe, which is, you know, wh- it's crazy to see all this great reporting here and it's in it's important, but it also kind of enrages you because it shows that these people are ca- capable of doing good, of doing objective reporting, of holding their own side accountable. So then when you look at stories, really like anything that happened in the 2020 election, or more recently, voting rights, so-called voting rights cases and uh, bills, HR one, what you know, the Texas Democrats did in fleeing DC are just a few examples. They totally fold like cheap seats, and they're willing to shill for them to the ends of the earth. So it kind of enrages you that, like, yes, these people are very good at doing actual journalism. They are perfectly capable of doing so. It's not like, you know, well, I, granted, I, there are people like Joy Reid that are just totally hopeless, but she's more of a commentator. But I'm talking about people in the press corps. are correspondents, they're doing great work here on Afghanistan, but, you know, we'll go back to some other issue, whether it's global warming or... Again, voting, Biden's infrastructure boondoggle, they'll go right along with it. And that's what's really frustrating because similarly, just a final point, they didn't go tough on Biden. They protected Biden for well over a year and they got him elected president. So now they're like, oh, crap, geez, we're stuck with this guy for another couple of years, three years here. What are we going to do? Well, you created this mess.
0: I don't think there's any argument that they spent their political capital on Joe Biden, right? I, I think that is, is clear and obvious. And there's only so much capital you can give out before you say, this is going to hurt me. I'm going to run into a debt here. I can't. I still have to have some capital that I spend on other things and in, in other places. But they clearly felt that there was uh, enough room for them in this conversation to engage it more thoroughly, more thoroughly than we've seen news engage it in 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 a while uh are there other things that that when when you're taking a look at at what it is a media is doing and 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 playing out are you seeing the possibility that they will retreat back into their pro-biden stance or is this been where the line has been drawn that they have to be more honest and clear and forthright about biden in order to have the audience still connect with them somehow
2: well, I think the key, Tony, going forward is how do do they stay on the story with Afghanistan? We're not saying that, you know, most reporters will ask two or three questions of the briefing. We're not saying that all three of them for months now need to be about Afghanistan. However, what I am saying is that they do need to stick on it. They need to ask a question here or there or once a day about this to keep this story moving forward, because there are going to be congressional hearings on this. Democrats and Republicans have already agreed that this is going to happen. Reporting is gonna come out. Beat reporters are gonna keep moving on this. The ones that don't necessarily get the sexy uh, CNN hits to talk about how amazing they are, and they get a splashy chyron to go alongside of it. Are they gonna keep their heads down and moving on that? I think that's gonna be a really telling uh, point to keep an eye on as we go on into the weeks and months ahead here. And as we find out about more people that have been left behind, do the media continue to tell those stories like The Wall Street Journal did yesterday with the translator that saved Biden's life, along with Chuck Hagel and John Kerry in 2008, when they're uh, when they had some mechanical problems in the middle of the mountains of Afghanistan and it's snowing everywhere. Those are the kind of stories that they need to stick on here. They need to keep pushing on those Or, you know, if they go retreat to their corners about infrastructure, Republicans being racist, uh, critical race theory isn't real, we'll see that this may have been just an act for them uh, or they're just their skulls are just really that dense that they can't understand the difference.
0: Curtis Houck, he is uh, the managing editor over there at newsbusters.org. Curtis, I appreciate you taking the time. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz. So you have the hurricane, Hurricane Ida, that just beats the living daylights out of New Orleans, and clearly so horrible that the press has spent no time on that. Man, I should have asked Curtis about that one. Where's the conversation about Ida? Where's the conversation about the power outages? Do they have power back yet? There were more than a million homes that were without power through Louisiana, and Mississippi on Monday, yet over one hundred fifty thousand homes, I think it is, in in, uh, in New Orleans. All of New Orleans Parish for a while was without power. The The pumps weren't able to work. What, what happened? You sent Al Roker down there to keep an eye on things. So what's happened next? Well, what's happened next is um, looting. Looting has been taking place. Uh, the mayor of New Orleans has said they're going to absolutely lock up those people engaged in it they see an opportunity they're like all right let's just go take what we can take looting is always 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 a problem people see an opportunity and they take the opportunity it's kind of awful and it certainly isn't everybody the mayor is LaToya Cantrell saying that the city is cracking down on looting and all offenders will be charged with a state felony. My directive, she says, has been very clear. Lock them up. We will not tolerate, and we have not tolerated it. But notice the lack of coverage this is getting. Now, if you say to me, hey, Tony, they're just getting food. Well, that's always a conversation. We've had this conversation before. The supermarket is without power. People don't have food on the third day. The food is going bad in the supermarket. The question before us is, can you take the food? It's not yours. You didn't pay for it, but it's going bad. The question before us is, can you take the food? That's a, that's a deep, deep, profound question. And one that I got to admit I have vacillate on. Food's going bad anyway. What what are we doing? Feed your kids. But it isn't yours, and what did you have to do to get in there? And what if you didn't just take an apple or a banana? You took a TV. What you had to you had to watch the weather on a big screen? I'm 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 curious. So the these This conversation isn't just, in my view, a one and done. But that looting's taking place and it's not really getting covered? That, kids, is a story. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio.